0: be sung because that goes along perfectly with the message. We're getting ready to, because um, he does know our name. Had you ever sung it? Did you know it? I know, Okay. So um, she had never sung it, so that was her first, and I am so grateful. I'm grateful that so she's so flexible and willing to be a servant, which with whatever God has for her, so kind of like going back to Charity's last session, so... can we pray Lord I am humbled and grateful for what you're doing in my heart and what you're doing here Lord I am so thankful That because of you and what you've done, I am worthy, I am redeemed, I am loved, I am your child, and every lady in here as well. Lord, I pray that you would just help me as I share your word, what you've spoken my heart about over the last several months. Lord, I pray you take your word as you say, it does not return void that it would minister to the hearts of the ladies here. Lord, help me to say only those things you would have me to say. Thank you again. You are so worthy of our worship. In Jesus' name, Amen. So at the beginning of the year when we were Starting to plan. Well, we start planning after. We'll have a debriefing meeting in a couple of weeks to talk about what worked, what didn't, what we had too much of, all that kind of stuff. And we'll start praying and planning for next year. Um, So the theme this year, the Lord gave it to me and then Ashley refined it a little bit to make the title sound a little better. And I was praying all year, and I can't remember when it was. It was sometime in the summer, when the Lord brought the title I Am Seen to me. Um, You have a note page in your program for this. I did not give you a handout. So in your program, there were note pages for every session. So you can take notes there if you want to. Um, Sometimes we feel like no one notices us or cares about us, don't we? Sometimes we feel like that way. We may feel like we're just a tiny speck in all these billions of people on, in the earth, right? And who cares about me? And sometimes we have a pity party. Oh, woe is me. I think I'll go eat worms, you know, that kind of thing. It's raining, it's boring. And we do. We get that way. I can't be the only one, I'm sure. So Several years ago, I heard the name of God... El Looks like El Roy. If I slip up and call it that, that's what I did for years. But in studying it, it's El the God who sees me. And that's who we're going to be talking about today. So several years ago, I was at a ladies' function, uh, pastor's wife's one, and they were studying the names of God. And this one just intrigued me. And so I studied it and loved it and i was getting a little frustrated later in um in the summer and like lord i know you gave us this theme but i'm not coming up with a message and i really need and when i started earnestly praying and i talked to dina about it and um it's just not coming Lord, I don't know what you're doing. And she and I both started praying, and then I texted her, and I said, well, I can tell you were praying for me because three times in one week, the Lord gave me this. And I even, we had a guest pastor here. It was May. That's when it was. It was May. I can, yeah, May, exactly when when we had to cancel the trip and the young man that was preaching um, for my husband. So I went up to him, and I said, I'll just have you know you just answered a prayer. And he's like what i said what you t- pre- preached on tonight was the third time this week and then i just said okay that's it so that's um how god showed me what he wanted me to speak on today so three times in one week the lord brought el roi to me in genesis chapter 16. so in the old testament the jews or hebrews had specific names for God, and we are not going to go into a study of them because there's no way we don't have time for that, but I'll give you a few, especially for people that are new Christians and you don't know. So Jehovah, or Yahweh, was Lord, and when you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in your Bible, that is talking about Jehovah God, eternal God, creator God. Um, Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah-Rapha, the Lord is my healer. jehovah Shama, the Lord is there el roi the god of seeing or the god who sees me so it's a wonderful study but we're only going to talk about el Roe. only used once in all of scripture but it is so powerful and personal so i want to look at el roi number one we're going to talk about hagar in genesis chapter 16. Um, Genesis chapter 16, 1 through 13, and we're not going to read all of those verses, but I'm going to give you a brief overview of who Hagar was. So Hagar was the Egyptian handmaid of Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, and I may go back and forth, Abram, Sarai, Abraham, Sarah, same person, okay, same people. So she was the Egyptian handmaid. The problem is, a handmaid was the lowest of slaves. The lowest. She was not just the little maid. She was the lowest of slaves. So a quick overview. In Genesis chapter 12, we see that Abraham went down to Egypt with Sarah. And we most of us, if we've been in church, know the story. Um, she was his wife, and he told her to lie to the Egyptians if they should... Um, Ask if he was his wife. No, I'm his sister. And so that's what she did. Why did he want her to do that? Because she was not drop dead, gorgeous. Okay? She was beautiful. And he was afraid the Pharaoh would hurt him to take his wife. And so she did, and Pharaoh did just what Abraham thought. He took her and brought her into his house. But I mean, he didn't just take her, he gave gifts for her, lots of gifts, wonderful gifts including servants. And so he did that. But you know the Lord protected Sarah? He had to, because the lineage of Jesus is going to come through Abraham. So there was no intimacy between Pharaoh and Sarah. How did God protect Sarah? As soon as he took her into his house, the plagues started. God Send down the plagues upon Pharaoh right away. And Pharaoh's like, okay, why is this happening? And he went to Abraham. Why did you do this? What is, this ha- what is happening to me? And, Fa- and Abraham goes, um, she's my wife. What? And he kicked her out. He sent her back. Take her back. I don't want her. <laughs> but he wanted an Indian giver. He didn't take the gifts back. So they left Egypt with all of those gifts and with the servants. And so they leave. They quickly left. The Bible says they quickly left, and they left with all of those things. And then in chapter 15, jumping, God promises Abraham that he is going to give him a child that will be born directly from him. And so we see in chapter 16 that Sarah gets impatient, and she doesn't want to wait because is God wrong? I mean, this baby's not coming, and I'm getting old here, okay? And so he says, he sa- she says, I got I to do something about this. And he, she looks at this young handmaid of hers, probably a teenager when they got her. And he, she tells Abraham, I want you to be intimate with my slave. Maybe God will give us a child by her. Was he stupid or what? <laughs> <laughs> he listened to her. Side note here, we have a whole lot more power than we realize with our husbands, so be careful. He listened to her. And so he did my uh, old surrogate mother thing, you know, so how they did it then. Nowadays, we don't have to do it that way, you know, but that's what they did. So surrogate mother. But we're not going to go into all the details of that because that's not the point. So her- Hagar does get pregnant. And when they realize she's pregnant, Sarah blames Abraham. <laughs> Excuse me, lady. <laughs> okay, she blames Abraham. Then Hagar is mistreated by Sarah. What? She's jealous. Kind of like Penina and Hannah. Penina. <laughs> Hagar. Mm-mm. So she's not kind to her anymore, if she ever was. She mistreats her. Interesting point. Nowhere in the passage Abraham and Sarah have ever called her Hagar. She's the slave. She's just the handmaid. She doesn't have a name as far as they're concerned. Can you imagine how that would have made her feel? Now. I'm the pastor's wife. But guess what? My name's Melanie. I have a name. (laughs) I'm not just a daughter. I'm not just a wife. I have a name. And I like to be called by my name. You do too. But they never called her by name. She was just the slave. She is far away from home. She's just a slave. And she's pregnant, hormonal, and she's been mistreated. So, what does she do? She runs away. You probably would too. That was number one. This is 1B. She is found. Let's read in Genesis chapter 6, verse seven, 16, excuse me, not 6. Verse 7, And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return! To thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands and the angel of the lord said unto her i will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude and the angel of the lord said unto her behold thou art with child and shalt bear a son and shall call his name ishmael because the lord hath heard thy affliction And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. The angel of the Lord finds her, and he calls her by name. This is the first time in Scripture that the angel of the Lord is mentioned and seen. This was a christophany or a physical appearance of christ before his birth god chose an egyptian pagan slave girl young woman to be the first person to have a miraculous encounter with him think about that the first person to have that kind of encounter the first time we see the angel of the lord That is truly amazing. Then, he is the only one in the story that speaks directly to her and calls her name. Can you imagine? Hagar. What? Who? She could have forgotten her name by now. (laughs) Me? You're talking to me? And then he asked her questions. And then he tells her what he wants her to do. She had been in Abraham and Sarah's home for quite a while now. And so she was familiar with their faith and the God they worshipped. So she knew who was talking to her. She didn't have to say, huh, who are you? She knew. She knew who was talking. See, she talks to God in verse 13. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou, God, seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seest me? And in the Hebrew, Thou, God, seest me, is Elroi. The only time this is used. Can you just imagine this scene? The desert. She's probably hiding by sagebrush. Who would want to do that? But okay, we're in the desert here, okay? She's hiding. She's crying. She's pregnant. Hormonal again. She is all alone, far away from Egypt. And the angel of the Lord cares about her. And she says, thou God seest me. She was the first and only person in Scripture to give God a name. The rest of those names of God were given by God himself. So, even more amazing, the only one and the first one to see him, and then the one to name him. Can you imagine? That's just overwhelming to me. Let's move to number two, the widow of Nan or Nain. I'm sure I will say it wrong. In Luke chapter seven, verses 13 to 15. Jesus and his di- disciples came into the city of Nan, and they saw a funeral processional. The only son of a widow had died. Okay, she's a widow, she doesn't have a husband. Her only son has died widows were pretty much the lowest of society other than the handmaids, all right? They were dependent on their husbands or sons to take care of them. Her husband's gone, and now her son is gone. Verse 13 tells us in Luke chapter 7, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, weep not, and he came and touched the bier, the buyer, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. When the Lord saw her, that saw means he physically, he didn't just, oh, hey, oh, I'm sorry you're sad. He saw her eye to eye. He engaged with her. He had compassion on her, and he told her not to cry. Then he proceeds to raise her son from the dead. My point here, he saw her. He really saw her. We look over people sometimes. He didn't. He had compassion on a woman who had no hope. Number three, one of my favorite stories in scripture. We don't know her name. The certain woman, or the woman with the issue of blood. How would you like to be known as that? Wait, 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 wait. I'll I'll call you, just be ready. So, the certain woman, or the woman with the issue of blood, in Matthew chapter 9 and in Mark chapter 5, but we'll read in Matthew chapter 9. Her story is absolutely amazing. She had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. Now, everybody I studied, every theologian I looked at, nobody knows for sure what this hemorrhaging was, but I think we can pretty well be sure what it was, okay? Because I have known some women that have had problems for a few months or a very long time. Okay, 12 years of hemorrhaging. Because of this bleeding, she was considered unclean according to Jewish law. Not only was she unclean, if she was married, her husband had a right to divorce her because of this. The Bible doesn't tell us about a husband okay so either he's already gone he probably already left her so one of the passages um, I believe it's Mark one of the passages said she had spent all of her money going to doctors and it only gotten worse so she's broke she's more sick can you imagine some of you know how that feels you try and try and try and you can't get any answers Her situation basically put her in this situation as a leper. She wasn't supposed to be around people. She had lost everything and was desperate. She had heard of Jesus. Everybody had heard of Jesus by now. And the miracles that he had been doing. So she knew she had to get to him. There's a problem, though. Anywhere we see in scriptures that Jesus was going, who was there? Lots of people. I need my crowd. I don't have a lot of a crowd, but I need my crowd. (laughs) So they're coming to see Jesus. Turn around and look for Jesus. Just stand there and look for Jesus. (laughs) So there's a crowd, right? And she wants to see Jesus. But what? She can't be obvious about it, because what could happen to her if they see her? Because people had to have known. They might start stoning her. So she had to be careful about this. So what did she do? She works her way through the crowd, and she's trying to get to it. But she can see it, but she can't get to it. And she's like, okay. <sighs> And she reaches out and touches the hem of this garment and then tries to, okay, okay. Thank you, ladies. Yeah. Okay, so, she <laughs> so I picture her working through that crown, trying not to be seen. She doesn't want to be stoned. She reaches out her hand and touches that because our Lord is omniscient and he knows everything, He realizes when he has been touched in faith. Because she knew he was the only one that could help her. And when she reached out, it was in faith. I know he can help me. Jesus' response. excuse me, I marked all of them but this one. In Mark chapter 5, 32 to 34, and he looked round about to see her that had done this. Well, wait a minute. Let me back up to 31. I love this verse. I love doing this with the junior church kids. You just got to be more careful about the ring with them. So, And his disciples said unto him, All right, wait, wait, 30. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest, Who touched me? I would have thought the disciples would have had a little more respect, but they're like, Who touched you? But think about it, really. The crowd, who touched you, You're jostling your butt, yeah, yeah. And they say, "Who touched me?" And you say that. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. He physically turned around in the crowd. And just like the widow of Nan, he engaged her. He looked directly into her eyes to talk to her. He turned. He didn't glance and say, oh, lady, okay, you're healed." No, he turned and looked at her. He saw her. That saw her means that he physically turned. But the woman, fearing and trembling, Knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him. She's not hiding now. Her Savior just talked to her, is talking to her. She falls at his feet. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. When we see, when he says, Daughter, that is compassionate. He talked to her with compassion she probably hadn't felt that in 12 years he tells her that her faith has made her whole she is not only physically healed now she is spiritually healed because she had faith in the one who could save her physically and spiritually now all of the above Hagar the widow the woman with the issue of blood, have all been introduction (laughs) to get to this. God sees you and loves you more than anybody. He sees the woman who's been abused. He sees the woman whose husband has left her. He sees the woman like Hannah, Who desperately wants children and it seems like everyone around her is having babies but her. He sees the woman who is home with children wiping dirty noses dealing with temper tantrums and feels all alone. He sees the woman who is widowed and feels all alone. He sees the woman holding a full-time job, husband, children and is stretched to the max. He sees the woman who's been betrayed. He sees the woman who feels like nobody cares. Matthew 6:26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Yes, you are. Problem is, we tend to view God through faulty human lenses and forget that he truly understands. But in Hebrews 415 to 16, we read, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted likewise. we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need because he truly understands our humanity we can come to him just like the woman with the issue of blood did. Just as he came to a pagan slave girl and saw her when she was literally all alone he sees you. Just as he saw the widow who was literally all alone, he sees you. Just as he saw the woman woman with the issue of blood who literally had no hope, he sees you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. If you were the only one in the world who needed him, he would have come for you. El Roi sees you and cares about you. He sees your every tear and your heartache and wants to use them for his glory. The one who sees every sparrow sees you. You are seen and known by the one who matters the most, you are seen and known by El Roi. I'm going to pray, and then I'm Ashley's coming to sing a song that I asked her to sing. It matters. You didn't bring it. She was going to sing. If you've not heard it before, it matters to the Master. If you've not heard it, look it up. It matters to the master. (laughs) Okay, we'll go get it. You got it? Okay, thank you. (laughs) She had a brain lapse. Lord, thank you that just as you saw Hagar, you see me. Just as you saw the widow of Nan who was all alone, you see me. Just as you saw the woman with the issue of blood, you healed her and saved her, you see me. And you see every woman here in their heartache, in their sorrow, in their grief, in their whatever they're going through, you see them because you are an individual and personal God. You love each of us. And Lord, what is on our hearts and matters to us, it matters to you. You want us to come to you. In in, uh, Hebrews it says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. You want us to come to you. You're waiting. Thank you, God, that you see me. Thank you that the burdens of my heart matter to you.